there, it's Lara here. I'm popping into your podcast feed um, for a second time this week because I have been thinking a lot about some of the conversations that I've been having with the women on the podcast and how many times while we're talking or after we're talking, I think to myself, you know, we talked about something that um, we don't have enough time in that interview to get into because I am trying to keep the interviews to, you know, 30 to 40 minutes because I know you're busy, um, but that I sort of feel like it could be useful to have a deeper conversation about or that I have tools that I use with my clients that might be helpful to you as well that are, are um, related to the conversation. And this week's episode with Meg Trainer at Bounty Kitchen really made me think a lot about mindfulness. Um, Meg talks in that interview about how she really went on a mindfulness journey that that helped her change the way that she relates to food. And she and I have had many, many conversations over the couple of years that we've known each other about that, um, mostly because it is so very much a part of what I teach my clients in my Vibrant Health Playbook program. Um, it, is, it is crucial to uh, really um, become mindful around food in order to understand what your body needs. At least that is my belief. Um, and that was certainly part of Meg's journey. So I wanted to just share a couple, couple of very specific tools that might help you start doing the same thing. Uh, the first one is one that I have probably mentioned before somewhere in, in the podcast. And certainly if you've listened to any of my classes um, or done any of my programs, you will have heard this before, but it's something called the breakfast experiment. It is a um, super simple tool. It's one of the first things that I have my clients do as they're beginning to learn how to tune into their body. Um, and it's just what it sounds like. You pick five different things to have for breakfast five days in a row um, or forever, however long you can, can manage it, you know, three days, probably I would say minimum. And the goal is to have something you know, a mix of things that are sort of protein heavy versus carbohydrate heavy. So perhaps one morning you have some scrambled eggs. Uh, one morning you have a bowl of oatmeal. Um, one morning you have some yogurt, um, maybe with some fruit on top. And, um, one morning you have, you know, a muffin and coffee. And one morning you have a bowl of boxed breakfast cereal. So all of these things to try to get a read on how your body reacts differently to the food. And so once you do that, you make a note just after you eat of how you feel both your mood and your energy level and your hunger level. And then you do the same thing again, two hours later. So mood could be anything from, you know, yeah, emotional state, you know, I'm cranky or, <laughs> um, I'm tired. It could also mean physical symptoms like my stomach hurts or my back aches or I have a headache or something like that. And then for energy level, I suggest sort of writing that down on a scale of one to five, five being, you know, most energetic. Um, and same thing for hunger level, one to five, five being like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. So again, write down how you feel just after you eat. And again, two hours later. And once you've done that, take a look at the sort of data that you've collected, which is essentially what this is, and try to see if you can identify any patterns. You know, um, I've had some clients, I actually had a client in New York recently who had been eating eggs for breakfast um, every morning. She's a She actually is a Pilates instructor and she has an early client at like seven or something. And she thought, well, you know, protein, that'll give me the energy that I need. And she actually learned by doing the breakfast experiment that she felt better and more energetic when she she ate oatmeal. So that's just a good example of 
you know, we make assumptions um, based on what we've been doing for some time or just because we've not necessarily been thinking about it. Um, and sometimes those assumptions are wrong. So the breakfast experiment is one way to start tuning into your body and sort of applying this idea of mindfulness to your food. The other one is something that I call, and, and I didn't make up this term, this is um, comes from the school that I studied at, uh, deconstructing cravings. So the idea of deconstructing cravings is again, just what it sounds like, right? It's getting underneath your cravings for whether it's cravings for sugar or, uh, salt or, you know, fat or whatever, whatever it is, cravings for anything and trying to really understand what's going on in there. Sometimes cravings, you know, perhaps it does mean that your body needs something specific. Perhaps you do have a nutritional deficiency in some way and your body is craving something to, to make up for that. Um, I would say that in, in many cases and possibly in most cases, at least in the developed world, that's not necessarily the case. More often what I see with clients is that it's coming from an emotional place, right? So, I mean, I am a huge emotional eater for sure. And it's something that I still struggle with, even though I have these tools. So I totally get that, um, feeling of, you know, sometimes we're bored or we're tired or, um, we just had a crappy day or whatever. And we reach for a bag of cookies when we're not actually hungry or, um, you know, a bag of chips or, you know, whatever it is. And so taking a moment when you have that craving and, and, and just pausing for a moment to think, okay, what, is actually going on. What do I actually need? If you're bored, you know, maybe find some way to entertain yourself, you know, call a friend or, um, play a game, you know, or read a book or something like that. If you're tired, you know, take a nap (laughs) or try to get more sleep that night. Um, the idea is just to start tuning into what's really happening and making sure that the food is actually addressing the underlying cause of your craving. So those are two very specific tools. I'll actually share one more thing, and this is more sort of akin to um, one of the things that Meg and I have talked about, which is, you know, just slowing down around food. A lot of us uh, are just moving so fast through our life and, you know, we eat at our desk and we um, eat in the car and, you know, just racing around. And I get that it can be really hard to carve out time for a meal, but we're just talking like 10, maybe 15 minutes um, to sit down, take a breath, uh, you know, do something to pause before you eat. Um, we know that bringing this mindfulness and slowing down around food actually helps us, um, react to our body's signals more efficiently. So when we're full, we stop eating. Whereas if we're eating fast, we don't necessarily notice when we're full. Um, we also know that this kind of mindfulness around food is related to weight loss. Um, and, and also eating without distraction. So as much as you possibly can try not to be watching TV or reading a book or anything like that while you're having a meal. Um, the, the one sort of trick that I use for myself when I start to fall into this trap, which again, I'm like everyone else, I fall into it sometimes too. And I notice, oh my gosh, I just ate something on the couch in front of the TV. It might be time to reinstitute my rule, my personal rule, which is only eat at a table. (laughs) So I can have something thing, but I got to go sit at the table. And so sometimes that's enough to be like, yeah, no, I don't really, I don't need it. I'm not actually hungry. So 
a few tools to help you, to help you do that. Um, and you know, send me some feedback. Let me know what you think about these short little, uh, episodes. I'm trying to think of like what to call them. I'm like, you know, women on the rise musings. <laughs> that seems sort of silly, but I, I would love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions, just email me at Laura at lauradalch.com. That's L A R A at L-A-R-A-D-A-L-C-H.com. Would love to know, um, A, what you think I should call them and B, if I should keep doing them and what else you might like to hear. And in the meantime, if you've been enjoying the podcast, I would so appreciate your taking a moment to leave a rating and review in the iTunes store or Apple podcasts on your, on your phone. It really, really helps. Um, and I would consider it a personal favor if you would share your feedback there. Um, so thanks again. And I hope this helped. 